It's Geekiest Show Ever, number 20. And as I said, this is the 20th episode of the Geekiest Show Ever. I am Tim Robertson, and as always, or mostly always, I've I've got my two co-hosts with me, David Cohen. Hey, David. Hello. Fellow geek, how are you? I'm uh, I'm doing okay now. I've had a rough week. Uh oh. I was sick for the beginning of the week, but I'm feeling a lot better now. Actually, I knew you were sick because we we Skype called on our iPhones. We did. And uh, it didn't work. <laughs> well, it, when you called me back, I was still on the iPhone, and it was actually the first time I'd actually used Skype on the iPhone. So um, I was pleasantly surprised it lasted the the duration of the call. And uh, I eventually moved to the Skype client on the Mac and talked to you that way and. Worked fine that way, but I think I don't know Skype to Skype, iPhone to iPhone. Uh, I have to try not it some so more. much. Not so much. And the not so much guy is Guy. Yeah, that's me. Hey Guy, yeah, I'm having, I've been having back problems. Yay! Ooh, back problems. Uh, you yeah, know, I knew that L2 too because your L3. wife told me. Yeah, L two and L three <laughs> was all swollen. I got swollen joints. You know, I talked to both your wives this week. That's kind both of. Them. <laughs> Both of well, I called both, uh, of, both David, of my wives. Both of your oh, wives. Oh, David's <laughs> wife. Ah, okay. Yeah. So I don't want that getting out. And she after after I got off the phone with you, she she felt very guilty because she didn't kind of talk to you. She just basically handed the phone. Hand the me. phone up. I don't blame her. <laughs> if I was a woman, I wouldn't talk to me either. So, uh, and I'm doing pretty well. Uh, we'll have some big news about me, but you're going to have to listen to next week's MyMac.com podcast. Uh, to get the details, but it's whatever the news is won't affect the geekiest show ever podcast. So, um, I will say something fun kind of happened to me today. The house Ooh. across the street, uh, which I videotaped when the iPhone 3GS came out, and uh, that's the ones that's been been empty for ages. Yeah? It had been empty for ages, absolutely. And there are people that are living there now, and they got the house basically for nothing. And they're, the, the the actual people who live there seem to be pretty nice, and most of their friends that visit seem pretty decent folk. But there's a couple that seem a little shady to me. Not the type of people that I would say, hey, I'm leaving for the weekend, keep an eye on my house. <laughs> <laughs> what, so, the good people of Battle Creek? What's going on with that? So I leave today briefly to run to the uh, bank because I wanted to find out. And I could have just called, but you know, sometimes it's just as easy to jump in a car and go to find out if my PayPal transfer had made it to the bank yet because PayPal said it was completed, but my bank didn't show it yet. You know how that works sometimes. You're like, ugh. So yeah. I was almost at the bank, and, uh, well, let me back up. I left the house, and I was about, I don't know, six blocks away, and my phone rang, and it was like one of those one eight six six numbers. Yeah. And I was listening to some music on the iPod, and my youngest son, Cole, was in the back seat. Not quite two, although he will be in a couple of weeks. And uh, I just ignored the call. I didn't take it. And then when I pulled into the bank parking lot, I thought, I better listen to this. Maybe it was Comcast who was uh, supposed yeah. to do some work for me, and it wasn't. But it was my alarm company saying, uh, this is so-and-so. We're showing that your hallway motion detector is going off. Hmm. So I thought, well, I better turn around and go back home. Yep. The other times that my alarm had gone off and I wasn't home, the police were here waiting for me when I pulled in. That wasn't the case this time. 
Uh, I got out and I walked around the house, made sure none of the windows were broken or open because the only way I figured anybody could set off my motion detector in the hallway would be, and not set off the door alarms, would be to break a window to get into the house. Yeah, it makes sense. So I didn't see any windows open, uh, nothing that looked suspicious, no no broken windows, no anything. So I took the chance, came into the house, everything was clear. I wasn't even here two minutes before the police showed up. And it's kind of nice because literally four cop cars showed up quickly coming down the street. <laughs> and I came out and I said, no, I think it was a false alarm. I didn't see anything. And they checked around the house, made sure everything was good. After they you leave. showed your ID. After I sh- well, of course. They leave. <laughs> um, most of them leave. I'm walking out with one of the cops. And I see the neighbor across the street is standing at her front porch trying to figure out what's going on. And as he's walking away, the police officer, I I said, well, well, thanks for coming. He says, yeah, no problem. Happens. And I went really loudly. Yep, that's what all ho- home alarms are for. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of subtly putting it out there that, hey, guess what, fellas? There's an alarm got, on this house. <laughs> got one. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's kind of a bummer when you get a false alarm like that. But you know what? It kind of reminds the neighbors that eh, we might not want to go in that house if someone's not home. Let's see, there's a house over here with no alarm, and there's one over here with an alarm. Which one do I want to break in and steal stuff from? Well, that's kind of that's kind of the same philosophy. You know, I used to work for this this big company called Sensormatic, who makes those, you know, the anti shoplifting equipment that you see in all the malls and stuff. And uh they discovered very early on when, when they started their company that the whole point of the system wasn't to catch shoplifters, because that's a pain in the neck. The whole point of the system was to keep shoplifters out of your store. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep, I can totally see that. You want to? Nothing is going to be foolproof. No, uh, we've all no. seen enough of the heist movies to know that they can steal anything. Sure, a, a determined enough thief can steal anything. Also, right. someone that wants to kill someone, if they're determined enough, I don't care how well protected their victim is, they will they will kill them if they're determined enough and they don't care about their own life. Um, well, that's that's really what it comes down to. It is. And, and that. so, really, what an alarm is is you hope that if someone does start to break into the house and the alarm goes off, they'll leave immediately before they steal anything. Yeah. the I mean, most most burglary nowadays is not done by people who do it as a profession. No. Uh, kind of make a it, living. It's, it's, it's done it's by people who... Yeah, people who, who are looking for a, 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 a quick theft so they can they can get some, some drugs or something like that. Snatch and uh, grab. Yeah, obviously, if you can put those people off and make them go and have a go at somebody else's house, that's a better better thing for you. And it's worth the 35 bucks a month that I spend for my uh, alarm system. Now, no one's ever broken into my house that I've had my alarm system for 10 years. But you know what? I love my alarm system. I'll never own another house without one. So, anyways, let's get into uh, the topic this week. And I, I kind of found this interesting. David, you found what our topic is going to be. Why don't you describe what we're talking about? Sure. This is um, this is a post I originally saw on Slash Film, which is a great uh, movie website. I think with, you're the uh, one that brought that to my attention too. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, that's one, a, a daily visit of mine now. I love Slash Film. Absolutely. Yeah, they they're really uh, they're really hooked into everything. It's like reading Variety. They they know everything that's going on in the movie. It, industry. It's better than Ain't It Cool News. It used that used to be my site, but I think Ain't It Cool News yeah. is just. Wow, they've fallen way, way down on my must-read list. And now when I go there, I I hardly ever find anything that I want to read. Yeah. 
yeah, but Slash Films great. And and this what what this is is somebody um, basically took a took a look at Wikipedia, and Wikipedia for every movie has um, the gross uh, sales numbers in for uh, every movie, and they looked at all the movies in the last decade, uh, and basically well from two thousand to right now. End of yeah, 2009. 2000, 2009, so it's nine years, but, but within mm. this decade, uh, and basically rank them in, in top 20, into a top 20 based on, on gross, um, and then, then observe that um, they're all, except for one movie, they're all um, either sequels or based on third-party properties. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's go through the list. We're, we'll start at number 20 and work our way all the way up to number one, and so... You, the listener, as the list gets shorter and shorter, try to figure out before we get there, and what don't the don't is. cheat and Google it. Listen, <laughs> <laughs> try to yeah. figure out what the number. Well, we'll just, just try to figure out the top five. So, but we're going to start at uh, number twenty. Uh, what yeah. is number twenty, guy? Yeah, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, I'm not really surprised there. I, I think that uh, personally, I really like the Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, I. I think it was, to me, one of the better Harry Potter movies. I'd, I'd agree with that. I think, um, I think actually, it was, apart from the la- maybe the last movie, which Rich really was was very good. Very I think good. it was probably the best one of the series. Yeah. Do, will you, uh, do you put it over the last one though? I, I, it's a tough call. I, I did see it recently, and and what it has going for it is it was the first, and that, the first the, one that the... got rid. The the one we're comparing it to right now is the Half Blood Prince, right? Yeah. Okay. But, yes. But the Prisoner of Azkaban was the first one where it got really dark. I think um, that the the key there is Sirius Black. Yeah. I mean, but also it had the whole Dementors thing, you know, which were we, they were incredibly frightening uh, in terms of the way they they kind of portrayed them. The characters, absolutely, and um, yeah, this was. The, I mean, the first two films are kind of schoolboy stories films. They, you know, certainly the books as well. They read very much like the old, um, you know, boarding house novels that that I used to read growing up here in here in England. But the third one was when all of a sudden it kind of gets serious. Things yeah. take a a dark turn, and you realise that all this this talk about this this dark lord has been going on. This is this is real. All of a sudden, the wizarding world becomes much less complacent. Uh, because this guy's on the loose, who they all think is uh, is is seriously bad news. Yeah, uh, they think and, he's a death eater. Absolutely, and um, they they really brought that across well in the movie. So yeah, I, I think. And, and if you think about the the movie as as a as a, a sequel, you had you've had two movies behind it, so you would expect you know once you're three movies in, if the quality of the series is good, that these movies would be attracting quite a lot of repeat audiences. So it's no surprise that you would expect to see it in a, in a list like this. I also think that the Prisoner of Azkaban was <clears throat> less in the in the. This isn't really true in, in the books, but in the movies, there the focus really was on building up these characters which they really didn't do in the very first two Harry Potter movies as well as they did, I think, in uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. I mean... Well, I think also that, you know, the the kids were much younger for the first two movies as well. That's true. So, moving up the list, number 19, David? Shrek the Third. Hmm. (laughs) You know... It's all right. Who who doesn't like the Shrek movies? Yeah, it's it's hard to say anything negative about them. Although I will say of the three Shrek movies, this is my least favorite. 
Um, I think the original Shrek movie was much better. Shrek yes. 2 felt like a natural continuation of the first movie, but Shrek 3 was going for the cash. Yeah. And, uh, and Pinto works by their position I, in the list. It, it's number 19 <laughs> in the last nine years that, yeah, I don't know, you, can, you really can't say a whole lot of negative about it. it. It's a cute movie. I think that this is the one that was less about inclusion of the adult humor in it and more this is a kid's movie now. Yeah, and, and also as well, I, I I think the problem is is the first two movies, for, for the first two Shrek movies, kind of had a, a real structure to them. There was a real progression, a real story. Whereas the third one kind of came across to me as an, an excuse for a story. The story in the third one was just basically a, a kind of something to hang the gags on. Yes, Whereas, exactly. um, where yeah, and and so so that kind of devalued it a little bit for me. It was still funny, uh, and all the pop culture references are there. But of course, the problem with pop culture references in a movie is they date very quickly. Yeah. Also, remember that this was the one, especially this one, uh, more so than the first or second one, where they started really trying to bring in names to do some of the voices, and I think that was more out of desperation. That they they knew that the story wasn't nearly as strong, but they figured, okay, we can get the you know. Of course, the kids aren't going to know who Eric Idle and uh, um, uh, John Cleese are, but you know their parents will. And they're oh, John Cleese and Eric Idle, Monty Python. You know this was, this should be pretty funny. When they had you know other than voicing their their lines, had nothing to do with the story at all. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Interesting. Next on the list. Hmm. I like this movie. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Now, yeah. this is the Spider-Man. It's not one, two, just Spider-Man. And it came out in 2002. And I remember the, the, the first big news about this movie was they obviously filmed most of it in 2001 before 9-11. Right. And so they yeah. had to digitally remove the Twin Towers from the movie and from the trailers before uh, the movie they was were released. released. Yeah. And... That was a big controversy, I remember. It may seem kind of silly now, but we're, I think it's because we're far enough away from 9-11 that you're seeing references to 9-11 in movies. In fact, there are movies out there that's about 9-11. But I think that this was, at the time, the best superhero movie ever made. Uh, I, and that's, that's saying something for me, because I really liked Superman 1 and 2, um, and I liked the first X-Men movie, but Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man, I really dug it. I thought it was a great movie as far as the origin story. Um, it, it very close to the original. Very close. And and just the humor in it was right spot on. You know, when he's trying to learn how to shoot his webs and, you know. Go webs! Go fly. webs! <laughs> zoom! You know, he's just... It. <laughs> and then when he finally does start swinging, he smashes into a wall. I, I thought that was just great. And I think Tobey Maguire really nailed the role of Peter Parker in that first movie. It was a great cast. It still is. Um, I, I still don't like Mary Jane in it. Um, I, I just don't like Christian Dunst. So, well, I, I, I think I think the, that the actress, I can't think of what her name is. Uh, yeah, Christian Dunst. I think that um, she, she looked too old for the role, if you know what I and mean. And she wasn't pretty enough. She wasn't tall enough. I mean... Mary Jane Watson is supposed to be a model. model. Yeah, and and, I'm sorry, Christian Dunst just isn't model quality. I'm not saying she's she's more like she's more like Donna from that '70s show. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, I will say, I like William Dafoe. It's very rare when I watch a, a, a movie that William Dafoe is in that I don't enjoy at least the characters he plays. But in the original Spider-Man, the it was hokey. Yeah. And I didn't like his costume. No, it was horrible. Just horrible. But, you know, he for what he had to work with, he still made it work. Yeah, it was always going to be difficult, I think, to do the Green Goblin on film because it's it's such a cartoon character. Um, and to, to do it and kind of make it realistic, um, it was, was, was always going to be a tall order. And, you know, I, I think they, they, what they, what they did bring across in the film was, was, um, his menace and his madness. I mean, that was Willem Dove. To me, oh, that yes. was the, the, the beauty of casting somebody like Willem Dove because nobody does crazy like he does. I, mean, well, I don't know <laughs> if it's his eyes or the way he talks or what, but. He really comes across as kind of this, this guy ain't right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think that, that the way they wrote Norman Osborn and the Green Goblin, the, the one thing that was kind of missing and, and really did come out in the origin story, you know, as you went through like the first 25 issues of Spider-Man, was the, the, the sheer schizophrenic nature of his character. And that just didn't really come across. And I, don't, I just think that, that, I mean, it was a good choice for a first villain. But I, I yeah. don't think I think they just missed the mark on the character himself. They tried to um, bring that across with the voices, you know, the kind of the talking to himself sort of thing. But that's a that's, that's a very cheap. blunt. Yeah, it's a very blunt way of of portraying somebody who has that kind of disorder. Uh, and to me, I think if if they'd have made it a little bit more visual, um, and and maybe actually, you know, cut some cut some scenes back in that kind of shows some of the hallucinations he might be having, that sort of thing, it would have made it more real. But maybe, who knows, maybe that stuff was there originally. It got cut for time. It was quite a long movie. It, it was kind of a long movie, but, you know, I really enjoyed watching that movie when it first came out. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, was, no it, was, it was the first time you thought, this is really how a Superman movie, how a superhero movie can be brought to the screen. And I, I, yeah, exactly. And it was finally someone understands that respect the source material and don't try to Hollywoodize the comic book hero. Right. Don't make it all about Spider-Man because that's not what the comic book was about either. Exactly. Exactly. So let's move up to number 17 because we don't want to spend an hour on each show here. Yeah, we could. Number 17 is what, David? Um... Number 17 is... Let me just bring my list back to the front. Uh -huh, Transformers, uh -huh. Revenge of the Fallen. Have either of you seen this movie yet? I no. have seen this movie. And, uh, well... I've seen it as well. Yeah. What can we say? Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> that's not a good start. Well, no. Well, no I, There's parts of this movie that were interesting. This movie? Yeah. The, 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 the difficulty with the Transformers franchise is, um, for a start, this is this is... This is a kind of a, a concept that should have been unfilmable. Yes. Yeah, and the very fact that they actually brought it into the real world in a, in, you know, while it's typical Michael Bay, there's lots of slow motion and a hot chick and lots of explosions, and uh, it's you know within we, even within the bounds of its own universe, it's fairly unrealistic. The fact that the robots are believable. Um, is a massive achievement, and I think it's that that has propelled this particular series 
um, to to this position in the list. Particularly, this again, this is a sequel movie. The first movie was much better than I think anybody expected it to be, and consequently, the sequel I think had a lot of repeat traffic on the back of that. Yeah. The sequel is, is a worse movie than the first, in my opinion. Um, because, you know, much, much like we were talking about before with Shrek the Third, this really is a movie where the plot is just, well, it's plotless. Yes. There are plot is just there to move you between the set pieces. And the problem is, because they've tried to outdo the first film, there's an awful lot of sequences in this film where it's really difficult to understand what's going on and who is who. And the problem, you know, this is the flaw, is when you see robots fighting each other, unless one is bright blue and red and the other one is black you don't know which one is which and there's whole there's probably a whole three quarters of an hour at the end of this film when you really have very little idea who is fighting who who the good guys are who the bad guys are and in in the middle of it you have a whole group of humans who are shooting and they all know that they can't touch these robots and yet they're still there shooting and dying and being killed and and you're thinking why are they even there why don't they just get the hell out exactly get on with it yeah, I mean, when you think about it, it's vehicles that are coming to life, and how do you fight a car? I mean, you know, <laughs> and, and that's actually that's another flaw with with uh, the second movie in particular is that the robots spend most of the time in the movie being robots rather than transforming between vehicles and robots. Exactly. And one of the cool thing about Transformers is the fact you can't tell until it transforms that it's a robot. And when, in this, it's just the robots kind of fighting all the time. And, you know, it, it's the movie was a mess. And not only that, but it was that, so insulting in some parts, David. Yeah. So insulting. I mean, they took, like, the worst stereotypical uh, caricatures of... of Military guys. No, no, of races. Okay, trouble. now these two guys are the ghetto black robot guys, and one of them has to have a gold tooth, and they have to talk like, yo, 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 what up, what up? And it's like, really? Are, are we talking about the human characters? No, the robot. The robot, robot characters? Robot. Really? Yes. Yeah. And, well, and so it's based on this like, conversation, I have absolutely... No desire to see this film. You know, I didn't know it was that bad, but it is. But having said all of that, the movie is a spectacle. And if you want to go and sit and watch something and turn your brain off for a couple of hours, you know, it it does the job. Well, I do that without the help of a film. But the problem is, though, David, honestly, that once you turn your brain off for this movie, it's hard to switch it back on. And even if you do, (laughs) it feels like a good chunk of what was usable is material in your brain has been removed. Well, I think it'd be very interesting here. Here's this movie is number 17 in, in movies of grossing of the decade. Obviously these, these films are very expensive to make. Um, it'd be very interesting to see how the, the next movie, cause I'm sure there is going to be one performs against, against this one. I suspect it will be substantially behind this. Yep. No, I, I don't, I think, cause I think a lot of people, were disappointed with the second film, and consequently, there won't be as much repeat traffic for the third movie. Number 16 on our list, Guy Searle. Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Um, the only one of the three that was worth actually seeing. I, I would disagree with that. I would say halfway through the second movie, it got good. Um, well, and they continue know, that thing, right through number three. Yeah, well, my whole thing about the first two movies is they could have taken the majority 
of what was in those two movies and condensed it down to about a half hour to 45 minutes of the first film. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I think that there was a big opportunity here that Lucasfilm missed out on in that people wanted to see more Darth Vader. They didn't give a crap about Anakin Solo because no. he's a boring, yeah. boring, or Anakin, boring... Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, sorry. Anakin Skywalker. He's a very boring character in all three movies as Anakin. Although Certainly I will say that Anakin in the Star Wars... Oh, the Clone, the Clone Wars, Wars series? cartoon series is fabulous. Love that yeah. show. But in the movies, he's just this whining... We've gone into this before in another podcast, but it yeah. just didn't work. And I was hoping before this movie came out that they would turn Anakin into Darth Vader right at the beginning, and the majority of this movie would be Darth Vader decimating the the jedi exactly and we barely got any of that barely got any and it it wasn't it wasn't even darth vader it was before he became darth vader well no he was still darth vader he just wasn't the the darth vader that we used to seeing because he he had his sith name given to him just as soon as waste mindu or windu or whatever was killed And and that would have been a much bolder choice for lucas to make in the script to actually at the um because that first sequence in the film is great, you know, when they... when they, um, yep. when But they that should have been walk... in the second movie. Well, well, yeah, but assuming that, you know, putting that to one side, assuming he stuck with the structure he had, but he could have very easily within the script had um, Anakin become Darth Vader immediately after he's killed Count Dooku. He could have had the, uh, you know, Palpatine just reveal his whole plan to him and him go for it right there and then. And then the movie would have been a lot more interesting... Because it would have been him plotting to overthrow the Jedi throughout the whole rest of the movie. Instead, what it comes across is, you know, it comes across that he makes a snap decision to do it. Yep. And it and it loses all of its emotional impact because it's like, well, okay, so he's suddenly decided to become evil. Yeah, why you not? Know, despite what, what else am I doing he, this weekend? Yeah, <laughs> despite all the good stuff he's got around him and he's got a secret wife, he's hot and this, that and the other, he decided, She's no, pregnant. I'm going to become evil. Yeah. <laughs> yep. it, made, it made such poor sense to do it that way. Yep. But that being said, I still do, of the prequels, I do think it's the best of the prequels. And Even with that, the that atro- one of the other two are on this list. Well, let's not give away the list before we get there. But, of course, the first one couldn't be because it wasn't released in uh, the last ten years. But... The, the fact that this is still better than the other two says something when it has one of the worst moments on film of any Star Wars film, and that's no, <laughs> just horrible, just horrible. Number fifteen. I keep feeling like I get to say all the cool ones. By the way, <laughs> Finding Nemo, best one of the best Pixar flicks, absolutely. Yeah, and this is the only original property on this list. And that says something, doesn't it? I don't yeah, know what it I... says, but it does say something. <laughs> you know, Finding well, Nemo was one of these movies that everyone knew it was going to be good before they even went to see it. And yet, everyone still went and saw it. And what was so great about this movie, um, the way that they cast... and You know, we, we get back to this, we talked about this with Shrek as well. The way they cast the people to do the voices. I mean, Albert Brooks as... The, the nerdy, very nervous father-type figure, Ellen DeGeneres as the, you know, ditzy, you know, oh, what am I doing now? Kind of care. I mean, it was just great voice casting. What, is it me, or story. did, did Ellis, uh, Ellen DeGeneres make this movie? 
I mean, did. without that character, I don't think I would have been. It half... wouldn't have been nearly as good. No, she was fantastic. Uh, yeah. Just keep swimming. You guys just keep talking because my cell phone is ringing. And it could be a very important call, so I'll be right. Okay. Back. All right. Well, let's let's go on talking about Finding Nemo. Go ahead, Dave. Uh, I I mean, I didn't see this originally in the theaters. I only saw it when it came out on DVD, and you know, for me, That's I was abs- I, I I was absolutely blown away by it. I mean, it really was incredible. Again, what Pixar is so good at, and some I saw it up recently, and and. Again, they really, really. I thought Up was was up there with Finding Nemo in terms of the well, storytelling. Exactly. Is that yeah? Is throw you right in. Don't sugarcoat the world you're giving. You're giving to people. You know, the beginning of Finding Nemo. Yeah, is really quite sad. Yeah. And, well, I mean, uh, his 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 fish mate dies. You know, the other hundreds of little, you know, uh, clownfish eggs all get eaten up. And there's yeah. just this one, just this one that's left. And he was able to do absolutely nothing to prevent it. Absolutely. And, and not only that, that actual scene sets up the the character motivations in five minutes. Yep. For the entire rest of the movie in such a... Uh, you know, there's no need for for talking. It doesn't need explaining. It's just in completely you obvious just know. To, to even to a small child. And and you know, one of the reasons that the, this movie grows so well is because it appeals so much to adults and children. But the, the the real beauty of this is, even to a child, they can understand why the father is neurotic, why the father is overprotective, and why the uh the the uh, nemo the the little boy character is effectively is chafing against his you know overburdening overprotecting father and just wants to get away from it and have an adventure yeah uh and and the, yet they can also understand the ramifications of that in the fact that he gets himself into real real big trouble right by um, not listening to his by father by not listening so there's a whole lot of messages there and yet it's presented in such a charming fashion and yet still doesn't shy away from danger and and right. tension and I'm and, back. Hey. <laughs> well when when you're talking about Pixar films, I mean, you know, yeah, you can the, the stories, you know, they they really go out of their way for for good storylines and most of their films as far as the you know, the way it it's visually presented is done very very well. You know, Finding Nemo really, I mean, you can talk about Monsters Incorporated where they did all the effects with the hair and all the rest of that, but Finding Nemo was as an animated film took some effects that had never really been tried before and and really pushed it. Now you can you can talk about some of the other films like Cars or and even Up where you know the whole the whole point about Up isn't that it's this this beautifully crafted animated film because the, the actual animation is somewhat, as far as I'm concerned, is somewhat clunky in Up, but I think that that was probably kind of done on purpose based on the the time frame when the movie starts in like I, I'm guessing like sometime in the 30s to when it comes up back into I'm guessing like the 60s and, or and 70s they never really say exactly, but. If you look at the way they're animated, even the characters' fingers are very flat on the top. They they weren't going for so much a realistic look as they were they were stylistic. Right, it was stylistic as compared to realistic. Let, but that uh, has absolutely nothing to do with Finding Nemo. Yeah, let's let's say this about Finding Nemo and Pixar in general, and I think this sums up Pixar very well. And I know that they're wholly owned subsidiary of Disney now, but Pixar is 
what Hollywood should be. Yeah. Yeah. All right, number 14 on our list. Who are we at? That's, uh, that would be you, David Cohen. Uh, I get a cool one. You do. The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. This is probably, um, looking at the entire list, this is probably my favorite movie. And, of course, I say that knowing what else is on this list and knowing that this is simply the first of a trilogy of movies. And I rate all three of these movies together as far as, you know, how I like stuff. Yeah. The Fellowship of the Ring is a brilliant film, in my opinion. Just simply brilliant. And there's absolutely nothing I can say about this movie that's negative, except for maybe I want another hour worth. And that's saying something because I have the extended edition DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, it wasn't long enough. This is, <laughs> I think that uh, this first movie, The Fellowship of the Ring, did a fabulous job of introducing you to yep, these characters very slowly, very deliberately. And you understand who these characters are and why they are the way they are very, very well. And one yeah. thing, one thing I really, really found amazing about this movie especially near the beginning when uh bilbo is having such a terrible time of, of actually giving the ring up and if you do a, a like a frame by frame progression when he's arguing with with gandalf about yep. giving the ring up there's this one part where his face goes completely dark he it almost looks like he has pointed teeth well you know who and, he looks like at that point yeah he kind of looks yeah. like um oh, like um uh, Gollum. Gollum. Gollum, right, exactly. <laughs> Dave and I both say it at the same time, Gollum. Yeah. Gollum yes, Gollum. He, he very Gollum. much resembles Gollum because he's got that kind of attachment to the ring. Although he didn't have it as long as Gollum did, and it didn't completely corrupt him, it was well on its way to doing so. Yes. Um, and, I'm and really looking that was forward. just an amazing scene. I'm looking forward to The Hobbit, and I, yeah. th they're going to uh, make that into two films now. Well, now, is I, Ian I, McKellum going to play Gandalf in that Everyone... All the major characters, they're well, trying desperately. Yes, they're trying desperately to come back to do the same roles for The Hobbit because they want that continuity. Yeah. And Peter David is producing it, but he's not going to direct it because he says he doesn't want to compete with himself. I think that's kind of a cop out myself, but uh, nonetheless, I'm very well, glad that they're getting these people. He probably just doesn't want to have another, you know, three to four year commitment to a single. Well, he project. Is, as a producer, he is going to have that. Yeah. Well, yeah, but there's a difference between producing and directing. Yeah, I've, I've, there's some political stuff going on there as well. I mean, there's a, there was a lot of a bad blood between and, him and yeah. and the movie companies over money and, and who was paid what. I mean, I'm pretty sure they tried to do the old Hollywood accounting trick and say that these movies didn't make any money, which, <laughs> considering their position on this crap. list... And I, yeah. I don't well, think yeah. that there's any doubt in anyone's mind that... Without Peter Jackson, the Lord of the Rings movies, the trilogy, wouldn't have been what they are. The, no. the, the guy put so much of himself and his heart and soul into these movies. And you know what? It really shows on film. Uh, yes, it does. These, these films are just simply spectacular. This is, the far, of course, the very first of the trilogy. So you get to see the innocence of the hobbits, how green and lush everything looks. Um, you get to see before he starts getting corrupted Frodo on what his personality really is like. Yeah. And you know, the mischievous friends and Sam, the, the doting Sam, yeah, yeah. Sam wise, you know, it, you know it's, you know it's what fabulous. I, you know what I thought the triumph of this was is that 
um, it would have been very easy to do a, a slavish recreation of the books, and they didn't do that. Nope. They very deliberately mixed things around. They altered some of the timing. They, the break points between the films aren't the same as they are in the books. And yet it was done with such intelligence and with such regard to the source material. It came across as just the same way as, as if Tolkien himself had said, well, you know what, if I was going to do it as a movie, I would have done it this way. By putting actually all the backstory of the ring right into the front of the movie, um, you know, was, was to, you know, rather than just make it think, well, you have to have read the book if you want to enjoy this film. Right. Is, yeah. To me, is, it, you know, is, it, and, it, and again, it was done so intelligently. It didn't, it didn't give too much away. Um, at all, you know, it was it was incredibly well done. I mean, and, it's a uh, brutal scene when he clubs his friend over the head with a rock just to absolutely. get this ring, and you're like, "Holy crap!" You know, and when you see the the power of the ring on Sauron's hands as he swings his club sword, and just half the army is devastated yeah. from the impact. I mean. <laughs> The beginning of that movie, I can't wait to get this on Blu-ray, guys, because yeah. I just know on my screen, on Blu-ray, this is just going to be incredible. But let's move and, on because and, we're running really short yeah. on time already. Yeah. I mean, okay. we're well, the next one, on I don't think we'll have to worry about now. too much. Uh, number 13, and some of these are going to be kind of repeats of stuff we already said. So, yeah. Number 13, Ice Age, Dawn of the Dinosaurs. Um, this is a kid's movie. Uh, yeah, they, gone they, to the well one time too many. Which, um, which one is this one? Because no, this I'm is not... the last one. This is the well, latest so one. It's a, so it's the third one. <laughs> so yes. we can only hope. Um, no, we say that, but you know what? My daughter loves these movies. Mm. And that's who these movies are made for. And I absolutely love the fact that kid movies are high on the list. Because yeah. I want my kids to see quality stuff. And I... and. We may not enjoy Ice Age down at the dinosaurs, although I will say that I've seen the first two at least 20 times each. Yeah. And I've seen this well, one at the least first, three times. The first one was great. I loved that one. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with bringing stuff like this back for a second and third run if they keep the quality up and they keep the same voice actors. And they have done that with the Ice Age movies. So I'll give them props for that. I don't particularly enjoy them too much, but I don't hate them like I would if I had to watch Barney or Dora the Explorer all the time. And I do. God. You know, I would much rather watch this than any of the crap that's on TV. Right, I'll give you that. Number 12. Um, who is that? that Harry be... Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. That's the uh, very first movie, if I'm not No, 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 that's no, no, that's the second, second one. And I actually I actually like this one very, very much. I, I You know, you guys were talking about how uh, the Prisoner of Azkaban was starting to, to, to make the whole world a little bit darker. And uh, I think that that this one in particular what did that as well that you know the whole the whole scene with with the the snake chasing him through all the catacombs yeah but it was and, still kind of a fanciful he's still a kid um and you know even if you he hadn't read the book he almost died in this one yes but even yeah. if you didn't read the books you know that something's going to happen he's going to be rescued well true and and this was also the last film that had that traditional structure that she built to the books, which was just like, you know, everything happens over a year, and at the end of the school year, he finds some big deep bad somewhere in the castle and has to deal with it. Yes. Um, and after the after this this film, they kind of moved away from that, which um, it needed to do. Otherwise, it yeah. would have been so formulaic; it would have been boring. Exactly. Yeah. But I will say that again. And I'll say this right up front. I liked all the Harry Potter movies. And I like yeah. this one just as much. Number, oh boy. 
Number 11. Yeah. Spider-Man 3. Mm. The well, very worst of all the Spider-Man movies by far. Yeah. Guy guy just said it a minute ago, talking about going back to the well too many times. Uh, and it, this well, is horrible. It, it, it wasn't even so much that, that you know, hey, we, we've made a third Spider-Man movie. It was just that it tried to do too much. They completely missed on almost every single character in the movie. Uh, like with Transformers, there was a lot of you know formulaic crap that they threw in that they thought people would be interested in seeing. Um, Harry Osborn Jr., though, um, Frank he was Gull, actually he a was standout. The, he was the only thing in this entire movie that I actually enjoyed. Every but scene why he the was hell in, did he keep his butler? You know, his butler knew all this and never said anything to him while while you know. Harry's running Let's around. not even try to get into plot points yeah, in this that's, that's, piece of crap because there's no yeah. point. But All this they, movie this... was for was a cash cow and yeah. to simply have more Happy Meals with different Marvel I'll, characters yeah. on it. That's I all just, it was but for. I, I, will say, say. I will say that, that the Sandman character I, You know, I'm also... going to give you that. I'm going to give you that because I think that if this would have been just Sandman and got rid of all the other crap, it yep. would have been very well done. I like the Sandman character. Uh, the funny thing is I saw this movie... Shortly after watching him in, a, in another film that he was just fabulous in, and it kept messing with me. <laughs> but yeah. this was a big payday for everybody involved, and I hope they they enjoy their checks because, quite honestly, when Spider Man Four comes out, I'm thinking about it's going to have to be a rental. I, I don't think I'm going to go see the movie it Spider Man Four. Pretty this, yeah. This, this was definitely this was definitely a toy movie. Mm-hmm. Number uh, 10. So we're going to crack the top 10 and we're going to move a little faster because a lot of this is going to be uh, repeat of stuff we've yeah. already said. So number 10, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Oh, it's um, another Harry Potter movie. And, and it's another fabulous movie. And it ends, <laughs> yeah. unlike the other movies up to this point, this one ends on a very bad note. An actual yeah. death. And it, it hits Harry hard. And this is the movie that the bad guy returns. And it's a pivotal movie as well as a pivotal book, everything changes at this point in the Harry Potter universe. Um, if you thought it was dark before, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pitch black at this point, and things don't look good for our heroes. Uh, number nine, Shrek 2. Antonio Banderas, oh my God. <laughs> you got to love him as, as the cat. Yeah, I, I suppose. I, I think I think it was quite brave of them in the second movie to really, um, you know, boots. bring bring some of the extra characters in in the way that they did. Yes, um, and and this was Shrek Two was really the one where they started doing the whole um, really really got into the whole pop pop culture references, and they were quite well done in this one. Yep. Um, and and given the buzz around the first one, there's no surprise the second one got such good good figures. Um. I like Strike 2. It's one of those movies that I can still watch to this day and enjoy it. It's just really well done. Number eight, The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, the second of the trilogy of the Lord of the Rings series. Uh, the movie about walking and walking some more. Yeah. <laughs> That's really what happens in this movie. They walk a lot. A lot. Um, I, I, what can you say negative about this movie other than they just walk a lot? Uh, I will say that... Um, well, how about the whole scene in the cave? Uh, it's it's fabulous. Everything about this movie is great. The only thing that I think it was lacking 
at least in the theatrical release, is you don't get to see um, the other wizard. What was his name? I'm drawing a oh, blank. Oh, Sa- um, Saruman. What? No, yeah, Saruman. You don't yeah. get to see him as much as you... He, he was a pivotal character in the book, in the second yeah. book. Not as much in the movie. And I think, and especially for that guy's yeah, he, acting chops. He was, he was the traitor. Yeah, and he, he they just really short-shifted him in this book a lot. Count Dooku. He's top Count Dooku. He was shorted in that movie, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I the Two Towers was fabulous. Can you say anything else about it, guys? No. I mean, just, it's the whole series. It is. It, uh, well, not quite yet. Yeah. Uh, number seven, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. This is the most recently released Harry Potter movie um, as we record this podcast. And to me, it's the second best movie. Yeah. yeah. But but I think it says something for the quality of, of the movie and also where it's taking the series that despite the fact it's the most recent one, it's so high up the list. Yes, I, I think so too. Uh, number six, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Which, which was the one before this one. I, I really like that movie as well. Um, and I like the characterizations in this movie. I like seeing Sirius's house. And and the the nasty little elf who just doesn't creature. want to help anybody. Yeah. Creature, yeah. creature. Um, you know, it, I do that pretty it's well. A, it's a great movie. Um, it would probably rank third for me. Um, it's hard. Be, you know, the thing is, the one thing that they're doing right with these Harry Potter movies is the same people. It's the same characters, other than um, Dumbledore. Person, uh, yeah, other than Dumbledore, because. He died. He died. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, I mean, we're talking about the actor in real yes. life, just to make that clear. Yeah. And I, I have to say that the the guy, the, his replacement, Michael hasn't Gammon. done. Yeah, hasn't done a bad job, but he just hasn't nailed the part, as far as I'm concerned, the way um, Richard Harris did. Richard Harris was he was Gandalf in everything he did, his mannerisms, the way everything about that character in the first couple movies. Richard Harris nailed who Gandalf was. I don't think that Dumbledore. It, yeah, Dumbledore. I, I don't think that the new guy has done such a good job. Had me confused. But anyways, let's move on because we're okay. we just passed the forty-six minute mark on this podcast. Ah! We'd like to keep it you know, as close to an hour as possible. Number five, oh. and this is a new one for the list. This is uh, moving yeah. in a different direction. Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. The worst of the Pirates movies, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was. But the thing is, it, it, it finished the trilogy. Uh, and Not certainly yet. The... Not yet. They're coming out with a new one. No. But yeah, but, yes. but it finished It finished the story they'd set up in the second movie. Yes, it did. So it, it was always going to be a very popular movie because, let's face it, you know, the, these these movies are based around one principal performance. Yes. And people wanted to see um, what happened to Captain Sparrow. But let's be honest, and, everybody going into this movie, there was one character that everyone wanted to see and how it was going to work and that's who is Captain Sparrow's father. Everyone knew who it was going to be going in and everyone just yeah. could not wait to get to that scene. Yeah. I mean... But, <laughs> but having said, but having said that, yeah, having said that, there were a lot of things that were really, really wrong with At World's End. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, I I hope that they do a better job of, um, you know, they are going to continue the franchise, that they are going to 
you know, really, really come up with stronger stories. And, and, you know, it doesn't need as much fantasy in it as they threw into this particular film. Oh, just way too much. It was, yeah, it was, you know, the whole, actually, other than the, the first one, there was just too much going on between the second and the third ones to, to really keep up with the storyline. It was. And the first movie, it was so well done. I really, really enjoyed it. The characterizations, the the banter. It was fun. It was, fun. It, it was yeah. a pirate slash a swashbuckling movie that everyone enjoyed. Yeah, and, Errol Flynn would have fit right in with yeah, that And movie. they completely got well, away with, with it. Got away from that in the last two movies. So... But nonetheless, it is number five. Number four, and this is the last of the Harry Potters, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, or as it's better known here in the States, Guy. The Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah, this is the very first Harry Potter movie. And I don't know what it says about Harry Potter that the first one still has grossed more. I think it has something to say that it's been out longer. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree um, with that. This um, is and, a and also, movie. it's the most accessible to children. Absolutely. And so, it's the one that got me into Harry Potter. The, the The truth is I never read a Harry Potter book when I went to see this movie. I wasn't interested in the Harry Potter kitty books at all because that's what I thought they were, kitty books. They weren't. I went and, uh, well, I found that out afterwards. But after seeing the movie, I was so blown away that I went and picked up the series. And my wife and I read it. Up until that point, I think book six was just getting ready to come out. And I just, we, we devoured them. They were so good. And uh, it really made me want to go back and watch that movie again. So when it came out on DVD, of course, I went and bought it. And there's something about watching these characters as little kids now, knowing where the story's going, knowing what the adult actors are like now, that's, it, it hasn't aged at all. No, I mean, it's very compelling. It's timeless. Yeah. And, and it's it's still really, really a well-done movie. I, I If it was on TV right now, I wouldn't change the channel. And I've seen it probably no. 20 times already. We'd be going, Tim, Tim, come Tim, back. We're not hey, done with the show yet. We've got a podcast going here. <laughs> so <laughs> number three, Guy Suro. We get back to a the, superhero. The Dark Knight. Other than The Lord of the, the Rings, this is my favorite movie. Yeah. Um, every, you know... we. There's no sense in going through, you know. Yeah, well, I think we already did almost like a whole podcast yeah. on the it, night. Yeah. It, it's so brilliant. I mean, as good as Spider-Man was to kind of rejuvenate the whole superhero genre, it was rejuvenated yet again just nine years later by The Dark Knight. But I think I think that the point, the difference between Spider-Man and The Dark Knight, Spider-Man is a great superhero movie. Yep. The Dark Knight is just a great movie. Yeah, it's a noir movie. That but, yes. happen, yeah. That ha that, yeah, but that happens to be about a superhero. But it's it's just a great piece of cinema. Well, that's you know that's kind of the whole the whole difference between a character like Spider Man and and Batman is that Batman is not a superhero. He's a regular guy who has you know no special abilities beyond what he's built his own body into. You know, he doesn't have and the Iron Man's suit. He do well, oh, he does yeah. have Iron Man's suit. Because Batman can't be Batman without what he can do. Well, he's got... Yeah, I suppose. But it's it's just... It's, it's a whole... It, it's not like, you know, I, I got bit by a radioactive bat and now I'm, you know, running around and, and have sonic, you know, screams and all that. It's it, it's a guy who who's who's so dedicated to 
what he believes is right and wrong, that he's willing to put his entire fortune and his life in his in his hands every single night and going out and just kicking ass. Um, the Dark Knight and what was the very first one then? The Dark Knight Returns. No, no, Batman Begins. Batman, Batman, Batman Begins. Yeah, Batman Begins. Um, I like Batman Begins a lot, but it's not on this list, and that kind of surprises me. Yeah, especially when you see something like you know Shrek Two. <laughs> you know, or all the Harry Potter movies, or even worse, Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, when that is a much better movie. And as good as it was, it's very rare when you find a sequel that's even better. And The Dark yeah. Knight is in every single respect. It's just a better movie. Maybe that's because we're kind of all tired of the, okay, this is going to be a series of movies, so the first movie is the obligatory origin movie. Even though everyone watching this already knows that he becomes Batman, you're just waiting around half the movie just to see the Batman suit. Right. And but I think that wasn't what it was like. That. No, it yeah. wasn't. But I think most people assumed that's what that was going to be like. Right. And that was a problem. It, the first movie really focused on Bruce Wayne. Yes. The second movie really focused on Harvey Batman. Dent. No, it well. didn't. That's Harvey Dent's movie. Harvey Dent is what Bruce Wayne wanted to be, but couldn't because of his inner demons. Why didn't Bruce Wayne, with all his money and, and influence, run for public office and take on the bad guys that way? Because he says it right in the movie that Harvey Dent is a much bigger hero than him because he's getting stuff accomplished that not even the Batman can do. Well, that's true. Yeah. And, and also he's doing it out in the open, fully accountable for his own actions, whereas fearless. the Batman is a... Yeah, Batman is a shadowy figure, and, you and know, everything and is done is in a, the darkness. Right. This movie is about the corruption of Harvey Dent, and it takes the ultimate bad guy, the Joker, right. brilliantly played, obviously, as we, everyone listening to this podcast already knows, to bring out and to destroy Harvey Dent. And he did it. At and the end of the what, movie, the and Joker And he even was, says at the end of the movie that that's really what he wanted to do. Oh, absolutely. That's what the whole thing was. And... You know, at the end of the movie, Batman steps up and says, don't blame any of this on Harvey Dent. Why? Because that's that's the Joker's whole thing. He wanted to ruin Harvey Dent and show the people of Gotham City, look, this guy can be just as corrupt as anybody else given the right circumstances. And I provided those circumstances. I ruined this guy. I ruined this hero. The Batman says, you know what? Joker won, but we're going to steal this victory away from him. Blame it all on me. I will shoulder... The, the burden. burden. I will go on the run. I will be the bad guy here. And that says a lot about the Bruce Wayne character as well. It's just a brilliant movie. And like David said, it, take away the Batman costume and the Joker costume, and it doesn't lose or gain anything. It's still a great movie no matter what. Yeah. Hmm. Number two, Guy Searle. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, the second movie. Eh. I think yeah. that it, it rolled the coattails on the success of the first movie. Well, sure. But being that being said, the first movie's not on this list. Or is it? We haven't got to number one yet. <laughs> well, I think you pretty much just said that it's not, it's on, not, the, on, it's this not on the list. <laughs> it, it's, I think everything right. we said about the, the third movie applies to the second one, don't you? Yeah. All right, so let's wrap the show up. Number one grossing movie over the last nine years. Audience members, this is your last chance to make a guess. 
No, it's not that one. Oh, I heard it. Someone said it. What is it, David? It's the Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. The the finishing up the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Now, how is this a bigger grossing film than the first There's two? All these others combined. Well, I can understand, but I don't know. I, I would almost say that you'd want to put. I know they're breaking these movies out individually, but if you put them together as series, as as you know, you, you got the Star Wars trilogy, and you got the Harry Potter movies, and you got the Lord of the Rings movies. Obviously, Harry Potter would be on top. Because every one of the Harry Potter movies is in the top twenty, yeah. So as as yeah. a series, by far Harry Potter is more profitable than anything else. But I think it says something that Lord of the Rings comes in at number one, number eight, and number fourteen. Well, actually, Lord of the Rings is the the third movie is the second highest grossing film of all time behind Titanic. So that's why it tops this list. But why do you out... think that it made more money when it made more money than the first two? So how many think... people went and saw this that never saw the first two movies? Well, I think what happened is because of the, um, I mean, you've got a positive feedback here because each of the movies was obviously of the same high quality. What effectively each movie was picking up more audience, which is why we see in, in the list here that, that the uh, third one is, is number 14. The first one's number 14, the second one's number 8, and this one's number 1. So in other words, he... what you're saying is everyone that didn't go to the theater or didn't buy the DVD of the first movie, the Fellowship, rented it. Liked rented it so it. much and then went and saw number 2, number the two. two Towers. And then, and then the same thing happened again. again. Right, yep. built yeah. on that. Yep. And yeah, I would, I, I would agree with you, and I think that's exactly what happened. And they got and caught still, up by rental or iTunes. HBO or what have you. You know, it's not on iTunes, but really, who cares? If you're going to watch these movies, let's be honest, you want them in the very best quality you can get. Because True. you already know that the story is going to be fantastic. Everybody who's interested in it has already seen them anyway. So what do you want now to own it? You want the best possible quality you can get. Right? Yeah. I, I assume that anyways. Well, I... Uh... These days, I like getting most of my content digitally. Uh, I like to convert most of my content digitally and get it digitally, but not everything. In fact, uh, just this week, the new Star Trek film came out, Yep. and I haven't picked it up yet. I've been doing other things. Got it. And uh, I'm going to pick that up in Blu-ray, because it's it's obviously it's not on this list. I'm not really surprised, because oh, it know, just came out, the DVD too. just came out, so it, there's a lot of reporting that we're going to see, but... I, I just don't see a Star Trek movie. Ostensibly, what, the eighth movie? Uh, 11th. 11th? Oh, my God. 11th, yeah. Uh, the, an 11th movie, even if it's a reboot, and even though it got critical acclaim and all the fanboys love it, blah, 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 I don't see it topping this list anytime soon. Well, certainly not topping it. I don't even see it crack in the top 20. Um, there's stuff that it's it's better than almost every movie on here. Well, I don't want to say that, but... It's better than a lot of the movies on here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I, I think I think you know from some of the ones we've seen the list that this this isn't necessarily a, a measure of quality. It's a measure of <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a measure of popularity, and yep. and what what makes up the gross of a movie is a very complicated thing. It's not just about. Uh, I mean, there, 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 we all know there have been some plenty, plenty of absolutely fantastic movies that have done terrible business that have been stinkers. In terms of in terms of um, box office revenue, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, so you know, I'm just looking at the at the, the current growth of Star Trek, three hundred eighty five million. Uh, 
Which so ain't too it's, shabby. It's, it's not shabby, um, but it's not. Um, it's not. It's nowhere near enough to crack this list. No. Uh, if you, you know, guys want to go in reverse order, I'll I'll do the reverse order really quick before we wrap up the show. I'm going to start at number 21. 21 is Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. God, really? Number 22, <laughs> Spider-Man 2. Number 3, The Da Vinci Code, which is everyone who bought the book couldn't wait to go see the movie and was very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> number 24, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which... What I just said for the Da Vinci Code is tripled here. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> number 25, The Matrix Reloaded. I could kind yeah. of say, no, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> number 26, Transformers. Number 27, Ice Age, The Meltdown. Oh, number yeah. 28, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Number 29, Star Wars 2, Attack of the Clones. Number 30, a movie that I actually enjoyed, Kung Fu Panda. Oh, yeah. Good flight. Yeah. Number 31, uh, the best of this list so far, starting at number uh, 21 going down, The Incredibles. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Number 32, a stinker as far as I'm concerned, but it had elements that I enjoyed, Hancock. Number, I actually like that movie. I like parts of it, but it was on a whole very weak. Uh, number 33, Ratatouille. That's another good flight. Love that movie. Number 34, The Passion of the Christ. Okay. Number sure. 35, Mamma Mia. That's, okay. that's kind of nice to see a chick flick in there. Number 36, Madagascar Escape to Africa. That's really? Actually a, so the first, one, the first one didn't make the list, but that one did? Uh, well, yeah, the other one did too. Uh, in fact, I just watched a holiday special of that. Oh, no. Yeah, my daughter was so excited. Uh, number 37, a good movie, Casino Royale. Oh, James yeah. Bond. Oh, best Bond flick in decades. I would agree. Best Bond since Connery. Yeah. Number 38, a, a movie that I enjoyed, but if it's if I never see it again, I'm not really going to miss anything. War of the Worlds. Yeah. Number 39, Quantum of Solace. Not half the movie that... that but for, it was met. a different type of movie, though. It, it was, but yeah. still. It wasn't as good, though. Number 40... Um, and I think a lot of people were surprised by this because they thought, I don't know what they thought, but I didn't realize that this was going to be kind of a scary movie. I am legend. Number really? One. That one made that much money? Yeah. It made uh $585 million. But that, that, this is, um, we'll probably need some updating though. Cause oh, yeah, uh, this I'm, is going to change all the time. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I've, I've just gone to the Wikipedia page for up based on the conversation about finding Nemo and that's currently at 660 million. So, which that would be, put it, it's, it's, uh, it. That would put it at number twenty-seven. Yeah, and and bearing in mind that it's only actually been released in Europe uh, probably about four or five weeks ago, I would no, imagine. I'm sorry, that, which movie is this? Up. This is up. Oh, up. Um, okay. I I would imagine that by the end of this year, it will be cracking the top twenty of of the list we've just gone gone through. So, number, which is good. Number forty-one, a movie that I immensely enjoy, Iron Man. Number 42, another movie that I actually liked and didn't think I would, Night at the Museum. I liked that movie. I think yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I enjoyed that movie. It was fun. Uh, number 43, ugh, King Kong. I like that film. I was Sorry. really looking forward to it, but after watching it twice, I like the original better. It's just a better movie. It fit I, the time frame better. I, I think the problem is, 
uh, it just goes to show the same same director, Peter Jackson, the same clearly the same love of the source material yep. that he had with Lord of the Rings and and King Kong, and yet it just shows how you can you know one time you can get it right, one time you can just get it slightly wrong. Number forty four, the only Tom Cruise movie on here, Mission Impossible Two. I like that movie. I thought it was pretty good. That was a said, pretty good fight. You said, yeah, and but you said War of the Worlds is above that. Oh, that's that right. Tough, that was a Tom Cruise movie too, wasn't it? Number yeah. forty-five, The Day After Tomorrow. Horrible, horrible movie. I like parts of it, but on a whole, eh. Anyone, Number, have, have you guys seen the new one, two thousand twelve? Not yet. No. Yeah, I saw it last week. Number forty. That, that, that's another show. The day, or I'm sorry, number forty-six, Madagascar. And the Madagascar, oh, it's much better than the, the second, second one. But yeah. it, but I enjoyed Madagascar. Yeah, no, I, I thought, yeah, I thought they were very inventive. Yeah, absolutely. It was something you hadn't seen before, really. You had, but you hadn't. Number, I loved the pen, loved the penguins in that movie. I know. Well, that's a whole cartoon in itself nowadays on the yeah. Nickelodeon. Uh, number forty-seven, the Simpsons movie. Isn't it time? Had, had its on. moments. It, no, well, but the Simpsons. Isn't it time, guys? Yeah. I mean, come on. 20 years. Pull the, pull the, pull really? the point. It's time. Come on. Show a little but bit I, of... I, the, I, I haven't seen a recent episode of The Simpsons Most for Most people haven't. That's the point. Yeah. And I do they, wonder... They, they keep it going for DVD sales and, and uh, uh, syndication. Yeah. But I do, want, yeah, I do wonder if the current stories are just rehashes of previous stories, because it is hard to imagine how they're coming up with much fresh... Same, it's not same like, creative crew. Yeah, but it's not, it's not like something like South Park, which is actually tends to throw in an awful lot of what's going on in the real world and so is it kind when's of like the last satiric? time anyone came up to you and said oh my god did you see the, the simpsons, simpsons last night yeah doesn't happen so it's time guys come on number 48 monsters incorporated it was an okay flick i liked it um i don't think it's held up very well though i don't know why uh number 49 wally loved wally Yes, I did too. I'm, yeah, I, I'm surprised that Wally has not done better than that, to be honest. And uh, number 50, and if I'm not mistaken, I could be, it's the only true comedy on this entire list. It is. Well, Night at the Museum. Um, yeah, but that's kind and of a Simpsons kids, movie. Yeah, I don't consider Night at the Museum kind of comedy, but kind of adventure as well. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah I'd agree with that. It's not a pure comedy. No. Yeah, only... Spider Man, Spider Man Three. If you're a masochist, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But number fifty, Meet the Fockers, and I'll say I liked Meet the Fockers. I thought it was well done, and I don't even like that actor very much. Oh, Ben Stiller. Yeah, I just think he's like, yeah. Uh, yeah but Robert only... De Niro made that movie. I mean, yeah, yeah. My only problem with Meet the Fockers and um, uh, the first one, Meet the Parents, was that. There were there were too many super cringe moments where yeah. you're just like, oh why, oh not really, you did that, you know. And after a while, it, it kind of loses its 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 power. I don't know. Sometimes it happens. So, uh, if you want to watch things that give you the cringes, but you can't help but watching, watch about uh, Mary. the extras. Extras. The the yeah, yeah two I've got seasons. That. I, I haven't watched them all yet. I uh, haven't though. But they're cringeworthy. The, the stuff happens that you're just like, oh. Uh, and Curb Your Enthusiasm, which I'm coming late to, but so good. Really like it. So let's wrap up the show uh, by saying, if you haven't listened already, 
Check out MyMac.com. There's a podcast there called <gasps> the MyMac.com podcast. I am stunned. We also have a Sam's Cool Picks from Sam Levin. It's a very short podcast, usually around two minutes per episode, and it's released two to three times a week. And a brand new podcast, two episodes out, and um, it's called My Phototech Podcast. You know, I just listened to the, the second episode of yep. that. And it is so much. I mean, he he really came into his own on in the this second episode. episode yes, I yeah, absolutely agree. He's he's a lot more relaxed, and, and and the source material what he's talking about was much, much more interesting. Yes, yeah, much. It, it's it's really really a good podcast. It is, and I think uh, if you're into photography, you're really going to like my Phototech podcast. Uh, Sandro Cucho does it, yep. and I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, his third episode. So. That's the podcast that uh, we produce here at MyMac.com, and that's what Geekiest Show ever is a part of, the MyMac.com family of podcasts. If you're interested in podcasting and you've never given it a try, kind of scares you a little bit, at least the technical aspects, we might be able to help. Let us know. Uh, send an email to Tim at MyMac.com, and we can discuss. In the meantime, thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks. Who knows what we're going to talk about, and I'm sure there's... Uh, some some stuff worth talking about. We 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 have to do a a, a Christmas type of show, guys. And I know everybody listening to this isn't doesn't celebrate Christmas, but when I say Christmas show, I mean talking about the coolest presents that you ever got. <laughs> so let's call yeah. it a tease. holiday show. It's a tease. I think that would be fun. Yeah, that'd be good. And maybe some stories that go along with it. So um, one of you guys write that down for the next show because I've got some really entertaining stories when it comes to. Holidays. <laughs> <laughs> so, with that, uh, for David and Guy, I'm Tim, and we'll see you in two weeks.